At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Luke chapter 2 today, verses 22 to 38. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into the Word. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us to gather with our friends and our family yesterday to celebrate your birthday. It was a time of refreshing, and you provide us fuel, fuel to bless this year, to to worship you with more adoration. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit comes to us today, that you fill us with so much power and so much insight, because Father, we know that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, and we need both your ways and your thoughts, God, in this coming year. As we reflect and prepare for what's coming next, we believe that you are going to empower us to bless others in ways that we don't even comprehend or understand yet. And it's just that reason that makes us so excited to wait in faith for you, to wait for Jesus. God, show each and every single one of us what our purpose is, who you designed us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to learn from two characters who we traditionally don't hear from in the Christmas story. And the reason we don't hear from them is because, well, they eyewitness Christmas about 40 days after the birth of Jesus. And so the two people that we're going to learn from today is an older woman and an older man named Simeon and Anna. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, just the same way that they had their first experience with Jesus at his birth 40 days later. I know some of us are delaying our Christmas celebrations this year because of COVID. Right? And so it's precisely that reason they have something to teach us. Because in delaying our celebration of Jesus, we might learn something about ourselves. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we have Simeon, the righteous and devout. And then we have the prophetess, Anna. And it was through the Holy Spirit that both Simeon and Anna were prophets speaking prophetically to build up Mary and Joseph and foreshadowing who Jesus is, not just to his parents, but to the rest of the world. This is what Luke is illustrating here. And he illustrates prophet, prophetic. And before we, you know, we get into trouble and start thinking, well, are we talking about fortune telling this, this morning? Are we talking about the future? Not at all. The word prophet in the Bible simply means a person called to speak or proclaim. In the Old Testament, we see prophets proclaim the truths of God and how he reveals himself to his people. And the reason we tie this so closely with fortune telling or telling of the future, predicting the future, is because when God reveals things to the prophet that the prophet is proclaiming and speaking to on God's behalf, it's usually about the consequences of actions that people are taking. Consequences are always in the future. If you do X, Y, and Z, it results in A, B, and C. The nature of consequence is always in the future. Right? That's how it works. In the New Testament, when we look at the framework of what the spiritual gifting of prophecy is or what the role of prophets are, it's people who can accurately discern the heart of God for a situation and then help people experience and understand God's voice. Right? That's what prophets do. That's what it means to be prophetic. And Simeon and Anna's experience here in the first Christmas, it's going to help each and every single one of us tap into our prophetic calling right, to discern God's heart for our situation and to help other people and sometimes ourselves understand and experience the voice of God in our lives. Here's the big idea that we're all going to walk away with today. It's that waiting with faith enables us to receive God's promise. Waiting with faith enables us to receive God's promise. There's this children's book. My daughter loves it. It's called The Carrot Seed. It's like 20 pages. There's maybe like 10 words in it. I recommend it to anybody who doesn't like to read, right? It's so easy, right? And the point of the story is this. It's very simple. There's this little boy who got a carrot seed, okay? And he plants it. And every single person in his family says, it's not going to come up. And each of the pages illustrates the little boy watering the seed, weeding the soil, right? Tilling it, doing what he's doing as he waits, And it culminates with his entire family coming up to him and saying, it's not going to come up. Give up. And then one day, the carrot seed sprouts. And it sprouts so big, the harvest is so big, the little boy has to come back with a wheelbarrow to harvest it. That's what the promise of God is like. Right? It's that when we wait long enough and it becomes ripe in our lives and we're doing what we're called to do, God's promises can then be reaped in our lives. That's a promise that can only be made in faith, right? So so don't lose this thought, right? Because this is what we see here. Faith is doing the work of worshiping with fasting and prayer as God fulfills his promises. That's the work of waiting, right? Um, And and this is what I want for my life, and this is what I want from your life, because God is teaching all of us here. This is so important, because if we decide we're going to give up on our faith, 
Because people around us keep telling us it's not going to happen. That the promises that God has given you won't flourish because of who you are, because of your circumstances, because of what the world looks like now. Then stop listening to them because God always fulfills his promises. God always fulfills his promises. We just need to wait in faith. But what's interesting is this. this is, there's more encouragement, right, that Luke puts before we even get to the story of Simeon and Anna. It's in verses 21 to 24. In verse 21, we didn't read this in the beginning. At the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And verses 22 to 24, we, we did read this. I want you to see this because this preludes all of what's going on here. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him, to present Jesus to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There's three things we have to see about faith, about us, right? About our circumstance before we even get into this, the rest of this text, all right? Um, Jesus was God, agree? Right? He was God. He, he was the son of God, but he had to wait to be presented before his father. He waited. There, there was a wait of 40 days. You see, he, he was circumcised eight days after his birth. And then 33 days after that, after that, he was presented at the temple to his father. Now, now, this is important because, you know, Luke keeps mentioning the law of the Lord. And the law of the Lord says, well, you know, a woman giving birth to a son was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. She couldn't go and worship in the temple, right? And so 40 days after Jesus' birth, Mary, who's doing the work of God, mind you, the, the angel told Mary, you're going to have the son. This is going to be your redeemer. This is going to be my son that you are just, you know, having in your womb was ceremonially unclean. If it were me, if God gave me a promise like that, like this son, this is yours, I, I get the responsibility, I'd be at the temple the next day, the next hour, right? My wife would have given birth. We'd been at the temple saying, God, here you go, right? Make it happen, right? But they had to wait 40 days. They had to wait 40 days. And so it's interesting the way that God fulfills his promises, it's his way, the way of the Lord, right? It's the very nature. Jesus walked in our very nature. He was subjected to the same laws that we're subjected to as human beings. This is what's so interesting. Here's the second thing that's very interesting that Luke puts here. To fulfill his duty as the redeemer, as our redeemer, Jesus first had to be redeemed. We see what Luke says in his aside. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. This, go, this idea, it goes back to the Passover, right? To the Passover in Egypt when, when God frees Israelites from slavery in Egypt, right? This idea of redemption is an exercise in confession that says, I am unable to save myself. And so God says, the same way I saved you and spared your sons, your firstborn sons, your firstborn sons now belong to me, right? Jesus was presented at the, at the tabernacle, right? At the temple to be redeemed by God. He had to first be redeemed to become a redeemer. How does that make sense? He had to go through a process, right? And so let, let me tell you about this redemption. It cost five shekels, right? This is what the law of Moses said, right? A, a son had to be redeemed to the Lord for five shekels. 
And so I know none of us are experts on ancient Near East economics, right? So this is what a working person would make in any given month, two shekels. Two shekels was the worth of one month's wages for a working person. So the price of five shekels is two and a half months of work. This wasn't cheap, right? This is your, your wage. This is your sustenance for two and a half months. That was the cost of redeeming your son, of your firstborn son. And so it's an expensive cost. Us too, we were redeemed at a price. The blood of God, the blood of Christ. That makes us holy, right? That's what gives us justification. And so to be ready for the purposes and the promises of God through faith, we have to be ready to pay because it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. And right now you may be paying what it's going to cost for God to fulfill his promises in your life. And that's okay, right? And that's okay. And I need you to know that, right? You might be losing a relationship or a contract or a job, and that's okay, because that's the price of faith, of God fulfilling his promises in your life, right? And here's the third thing I, I want us to see. Jesus was born into the nature of humanity, but he was born into a poor family. God could have chosen anyone in the world, but he chose an impoverished family. You see, we know that this family was impoverished because the offering that Luke says that they made was a pair of two turtle doves or pigeons. If you were rich and if you had the money, you would offer a lamb, if you didn't have money, you would offer two turtle doves or pigeons, right? God could have chosen anybody, but instead he chooses an impoverished family to do his will, to change the world. So don't rule yourself out because your circumstances or your origins don't make you the likely candidate for God to fulfill his promises. That, that's what we have to know. That's what we have to know about faith and about God's promises, right? And so if we have been redeemed by God for a purpose, and because your identity is not staked on where you're from, what you did, what you're doing now, but it's staked in who you believe God is and what he does, that's good news for all of us, isn't it? That's the good news of Christmas for all of us. That this past year, if we staked ourselves in our own identity, our own sense of belonging, none of that matters. It's Jesus alone and his blood and so we wait in faith for God to unveil his promises to us. So the first way we wait, because I'm going to give you three ways to wait for God's promises in your life, is this. First, to wait for God's timing. We wait for God's timing. This is what, this is what it's all about, right? We wait for God's timing. Look at this in verse 25. I, I need us to see this, because this is pretty interesting. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And the context that Luke sets up here is this, that he is an older man that he's been waiting for a while. He's been waiting for a while. He dreamt of the day he could die in peace. Right? And he kept waiting. He kept waiting to meet the Messiah. And we don't know when he was promised to meet the Messiah. We don't know when in his life he was promised to, to meet Jesus, right? But God promised Simeon that he would meet him and that he would not die until he met him. And, and so what, what's interesting is Simeon says, now I could die at peace, finally, right? Finally. And so don't lose hope just because it doesn't work out for you right now. 
Don't lose hope when you go out that door and you're in the parking lot and life seems to be troubling you. Don't lose hope in God's promises just because you show up to work tomorrow morning and it's not what you thought it would be. Your first relapse, your first setback. Don't lose hope in God fulfilling his promises. Literally waiting in faith is going to require us to wait. Right? That, that's what it means to wait, right? I mean, if God put in your heart that you're going to have this child and you've been trying and you've been trying and everybody else around you is popping out babies and you just don't understand why God isn't fulfilling his promises to you. Trust me, he sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows what you're going through. But wait for him. You wait in prayer. Because if he promised it, he's going to deliver. That's who our God is. Right? Let's pray together about it. Maybe it's not having the child. Maybe it's that wayward child that you've been praying for for decades. 20 or 30 years, God has promised that he would redeem your son or your daughter. Make them come back. Make them come back. Make them come back to the faith that you raised them in. But you keep watching from the sidelines as they mess up their lives over and over and over again. And it's killing you. Keep waiting in faith. Keep waiting in faith. Michelle and I, we, we celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary this past week. Um, and you can clap. That's good news. And I'm going to tell you why. She hasn't divorced me, right? Despite me, she hasn't divorced me. She's still with me. Um, that's great. But the reason I'm sharing this is not to celebrate my anniversary, but really to tell you that I've known Michelle for 20 years now. 20 years. We've only been married eight, right? So at first, you're probably thinking, man, what's wrong with them, right? But it, it took 10 years. It took 10 years for God to bring us to the same place at the same time to the same mentality, which was we've been praying for each other that God would send us each other. We just didn't know it for 10 years, right? And it all happened at the right time, which was summer camp, right? Kids summer camp. That, that's a call for all you volunteers who are single, right? <laughs> Pastor Eric is taking them, right? That, you know, don't rush it. Don't quit. It's in God's timing, right? It's in God's timing, and if you think that takes too long, if you think 10 years is too long, just let's look at the prophet Anna, Anna, right? Anna, her story picks up in verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in the years, having lived with her husband seven years from, from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She's 84 years old. She's 84 years old before the promises of God are fulfilled in her life, right? Here's, she's waiting most of her life for God to show up. But here's what we know. She waited with devotion. Not only are we waiting for God's timing, we're also waiting with devotion. Look at again what Luke says in verse 37. She did not depart from the temple Worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Waiting in faith requires us to wait in devotion. You, you know what's so harsh about Anna's life? It, it's that she was only married for seven years. Seven years. She's 84 years old. She was married seven years. And here, here's what we know. Those seven years, they, they weren't in the last part of her 84 years. They were in the beginning. Right? Luke says she was a virgin and then she got married. We don't know much else about her story except her husband's dead seven years after they got married. So let's conjecture with me a little bit, right? Let's say that she 
and her husband, they, they had a baby, right? When the baby, when that child was six, her husband died. Now she's a single mom for the rest of her life in the first century where women don't have any rights. Yet she showed up 84 years later at the temple, worshiping day and night. That's devotion, wouldn't you say? That's devotion. It's harsh, right? And so, you know, this is what we're waiting for. But what we have to understand is life is going to be hard. But that doesn't mean that we don't have purpose. Because purpose gives us devotion. What we learn from Anna and from Simeon is, that, is this, that, you know, people who understand their purpose in God will not quit until their purposes are complete. That's the definition of devotion. So we wait with devotion. We understand that our purpose and we pursue our purpose instead of chasing some idea of happiness. So the balance on our 401k doesn't matter. The failure of our six-month diet plan next month doesn't matter, right? Our, our outlook on life because we don't have the career we thought we would have doesn't matter because you are pursuing purpose, the purpose God is telling you to wait for, the purpose God is telling you your promises, my promises will be fulfilled in your life because of it. So pursue faith with that type of purpose. You see, purpose is what compelled Simeon and Anna to wait for their Messiah. It didn't matter their circumstances. It didn't matter their age. They were devoted because they chose to pursue their purpose and faith. Right? All of us, we believe we were saved by Jesus. We believe that he saved us from our sin for a purpose. He didn't just save us for the sake of saving us. He saved us for the purpose, and that purpose is to be a child of God. Right? To be loved by God. To love others with the same love that God loves us with. Simply put, it's to bless people with the love of God. That's our purpose. If you want to boil it down, that's our purpose. To bless others with the love of God that we receive from God. That's what it means to be prophetic. right? It's not to, to, to make people feel bad, but it's to bless them. To help them hear how God is moving in their lives. I want us to look at the screens. There's an illustration here. And Ted, if you can leave this up for a while. Um, these four concentric circles, if you were part of the coaching circles with us, you're familiar with this. Um, and if you're not, and if you don't know what this is, you know, ask someone at the Connect Desk how to get into a coaching circle. But these four concentric circles illustrates how Jesus teaches his disciples on how to act on our purpose with two types of people. Those two types of people are either strangers or friends, okay? And so you start on the outside as a stranger, and the, the, the top outer two layers of the concentric circle are how you engage purposefully with strangers. And the two inner circles represent how you purposefully engage with people who are your friends, right? And, and I know you're thinking, Jonathan, mo most of my relationships are complicated. They're neither stranger nor friend. And that's all messed up, right? That's not real, right? There's really, you either know somebody or you just know about them, right? So if you know about them, they're a stranger. And if you know who they are and you know what they are, they're friends, right? So, you know, simply make it that. But if they're strangers, right? This is what Jesus teaches his disciples. Start engaging with them. If they're strangers to you, engage with them. That is your purpose 
with them. That is your purpose for them. And the reason he says to engage them is because, well, guess what? My purpose is for your life to bless them is going to require for you to get off the couch, stop watching the reruns of the Big Bang Theory, and engage with people, right? Get to know the people who are strangers. Because you'll never, never find your purpose in God watching reruns on TV, right? And so you engage with them. You can call it networking. I don't care what you call it, right? But get to know them. And as you get to know them, this is what happens. You start to serve them. Because your purpose with them is to serve them, to bless them, right, with the same things that God has blessed you with. And if you've been in sales for any amount of time, or if you have your own business, you're going to realize that you actually serve your clients and your customers. You don't sell them stuff. That's what makes you a successful salesperson. You serve them. You solve their problems. You meet their needs where they are. That's what it means to serve, right? We all know what it means to serve. We start serving these strangers. And these strangers start becoming our friends because we actually know more and more about them because we know what their needs are. And so now they're getting in closer and closer to the bullseye of, this, of these concentric circles and they're becoming our friends. And so guess what? Now that you know what their needs are, you start inviting them to things, don't you? You invite them to your house. You actually have a relationship with them. You have a relationship with their family. And so there you invite them to become closer and closer to you because the purpose of friendship is not to have lots of friends, but it's to disciple them. And so you disciple people and discipleship. And I know everyone here has a different thought or idea about discipleship, but discipleship in its most pure and simplest form is to have heart-level conversations with people so that God can bless and move through the relationship. If that is what discipleship is and if that's what our purpose is, we would never wane in our joy because we will always be devoted to our purpose, the purpose that God calls us to do make disciples of all nations, right? To be the light in a world that's full of darkness. And so we do this. It doesn't matter how turbulent our life is. It doesn't matter where we are in life because we're constantly engaging our purpose, waiting in faith to fulfill his promises, not just in our lives, but in the lives that we're interacting with. That's purpose. And so here's the last grand thing we do as we wait for God to fulfill his promises. We wait in God's spirit. We wait in God's spirit. This is probably the most important part of waiting in faith. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 27. And he, this is Simeon, came into the spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fallen rising in many and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You see, verse 27 highlights the role of the Holy Spirit. The, in, in fact, the Holy Spirit's mentioned three times in introducing Simeon, right? As Simeon comes into the temple, he's in the Spirit. He's a man who's walking in the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is upon him 
the Holy Spirit spoke to him. The Holy Spirit marks his life. It gives him purpose. The Spirit, God's Spirit is the key to Simeon's waiting in faith. Simeon only recognizes the Messiah because the Holy Spirit had him recognize Jesus Christ. You see, waiting in God's Spirit compels us to bless God for the promises that we will receive. That's what waiting in the Spirit does. Blessing God is praising God. It's thanking God to Him for the things that He's about to do in our lives. You may not have received God's promise yet, but if you're waiting in faith, if you're waiting in the Spirit, you've already given thanks to God for the things that He's done, the things that He's doing, because it's all said and done. It's all yes and amen. We sang it, right? In addition to blessing God, waiting in the Spirit leads us to bless other people. To bless other people as we're empowered to bless them. Why do you think waiting with devotion causes us to have purpose with people, with strangers and friends? Why why do you think all of us are not naturally friends? It's because our purpose is to bring them into our friend's circle. Because in God's timing, they will hear the good news of Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit reveals and enabled us to become an heir, to become a child of God. We, we were only able to receive Jesus as our Savior because of the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize that. When I first accepted Jesus Christ, it wasn't the first time I heard the gospel. I had the gospel shoved down my throat for so many years by my parents. I knew the words. I knew everything. It just meant nothing. But one day, the Holy Spirit took charge of someone I knew. Someone that I grew up with. It reached my friend and it altered how he would live, right? And then he couldn't stop talking about it. He couldn't stop talking about it because he was so filled by the Holy Spirit. And so what did that cause him to do? It caused him to engage with a guy he grew up with. To make sure that I was still his friend. And then he invited me to something that he was engaged with. He invited your pastor into discipleship. His purpose was fueled by the Spirit of God. And in God's timing, that same Holy Spirit opened my eyes and changed my heart. That story is, for most of us, the same. Jesus is good news for everyone. He was born to a virgin. He lived under the law and was found perfect in every way. He became the sacrificial lamb for us to pay the price for our sins. But he had to first be presented at the temple to be redeemed by the Lord. It was then he was able to die on the cross and was buried. It was then he was resurrected on the third day to show that when we died with him on the cross in faith, we would be resurrected. His promises for us to be heirs of God would be fulfilled in eternity. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you've been waiting for God's promise, receive God's spirit. Now let it rush into your heart and praise God for the promise of your eternity. If you've forgotten what it means to wait in faith for the promise of God, because honestly the world that we live in is hell, then allow God's spirit to energize you and give you the devotion that you need to wait in faith. Uh, Listen, 2021 might have been the year of waiting in faith, but I guarantee you 2022 is going to be the year that God redeems his promises in our lives.
Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to redeem your promises for your children. Help us receive your son as our Messiah in all aspects of our lives. God, you fill us with the Holy Spirit to move against our senses, our gut feelings, our natural inclinations to pursue the purposes of faith. And we believe that in your timing for our lives, the fulfillment of your promises to us, the plans that you have for us, the plans to bless us, to send us out. We receive it and we step up in faith. God, as we close this year, I ask that we can faithfully look into our lives and reevaluate how we devote ourselves to your purposes. God, give us the boldness, the courage this coming year to be faithful to you because we believe you have called us and set us aside for a moment like this where your promises will be unveiled not only before our eyes, but in the lives of the people around us, every single person we engage with. I ask that for every single person in this room, from the oldest to the youngest, God, from those who have lived long lives of faithfulness to those of us who are still sampling the initial parts of your glory. Give us the joy of being devoted to you and saturate our precious moments and our memories, our ambitions, God, we've been seeking you. Now clear our minds and our hearts so that you can write your purpose on our hearts forever and ever. Let us chase you and be like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.